This is a podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. Well, if you don't know me, I was a youth pastor for, for 10 years, and I started out as a youth pastor probably way too young to have the amount of authority that I did. Uh, but I took a group on a mission trip, and we had all the boys that were in one large room. And at night, we, we were in our, our sleeping bags and going to sleep, and and I was 21, 22, and I really felt like I had to be the top dog in charge. I had with me two men who were, at that time, probably in their late 40s, early 50s, that were uh, good friends of mine, but they were, they were there to uh, assist me. And even though they were under me, they obviously had more life experience, uh, and they, they uh, were able to help me in a lot of different ways. So the first night, go to bed turn up the lights, give the speech to the kids, say, kids, keep your mouth shut. We've got lots to do tomorrow. You know, go to sleep. Telling 12 to 13-year-olds to go to sleep when they're all together in one room, that is an impossibility. That is a modern-day miracle for that to happen. So as I lay there in bed, or in my sleeping bag, and it's pitch black, I feel water fall on my face. So I'm wondering if the air conditioning, you know, has some condensation. Then I felt more water in my face. So I turn on the lights and say, what happened? Who did it? What's going on? Without making the story too long, turn out the lights, it happened again. Subsequently, it happened again. Some, one of those kids had a water gun. And as soon as the lights were out, they were spraying it towards me. Now, first, this is cute. And this is amusing, and, and I'm thinking, well, that's really nice. Maybe they like me since they have a water gun. But then it started to get really irritating. The second night especially. The third night, as the water increased more and more, I was getting angry. So I took my, my, my guys, my two guys that were on staff with me, I said, come on, guys, let's talk about it. I want this to end now. I was hot. I was hot. It was time for me to show who's boss. I said, Gentlemen, I want you to find that water gun. So these guys, you wouldn't believe what they put the junior high kids through. They did an inspection. They took their suitcases. They took their bags. They, they looked through every single thing those kids had. You know, those rascals, we could not find the water gun. No matter what happened, we couldn't do the water gun. And so the last night came, and we're getting ready to leave. And here it was, me and, and my two Two friends who would think between three adults that we would have the competency to stop these junior high kids. The last night, my two leaders said, Aaron, we need to talk to you about something. And we need to make a confession. And they pulled from behind their back their very own water guns. What do you do in that moment? God has a way of humbling you, doesn't he? You know, whenever things are really dark, chaos can happen. When the lights go out, chaos happens. Beth has this rule for our family when we go on vacation or anywhere. She cannot enter a city or domain in the darkness. I mean, she wants to arrive in the light, which means we usually have to get an extra hotel room or whatever the case is when we're driving. Because the darkness can be very, very confusing. And there's endless analogies that we could talk about light and dark and why the light and the dark are so important. But in this particular story, Jesus is trying to make a clear statement. 
And if you're taking notes, I want you to write the first thing down that Jesus was saying when he said, I am the light of the world. He was saying the light of the world is the visible presence of God. I want you to think about this, the visible presence of God. We have become so accustomed in this age of the Holy Spirit and of the Spirit in in the fact that the presence of God is invisible to the physical eye. And that is that is true. And Jesus made that clear that unless there's very rare cases, uh, I don't even know of anyone who has seen this. The presence of God is typically unseen. It's something we feel, something we experience, the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. But it wasn't always the case. The presence of God is the visible, the, the light of the world is the visible presence of God. Uh, write this down. It says the light in the Old Testament was the glory of God. The light in the Old Testament, that's your next blank, was the glory of God. And when God began to reveal himself, when he would reveal himself in the Old Testament, he would always show himself in some kind of physical form, whether it be thunder or lightning or clouds or fire. And the Hebrew people called that the glory of God, the tangible presence of God. Now, not just the glory of God in the sense of, yeah, we give God glory because... Uh, you know, he deserves glory. I'm talking about the tangible, very presence of God. And in the Old Testament, that was manifested through the cloud, through the fire, through lightning, through thunder. Now, they were not worshiping the people. The Hebrew people weren't worshiping lightning and they weren't worshiping the cloud. They weren't worshiping the fire. There's a huge differentiation there that we need to be aware of. They were worshiping the, the living God with his incredible attributes. But he showed himself during that time period in those physical ways. Let's go through some examples. In the wilderness, during the years of the wilderness wandering, he showed himself through the cloud and through the fire. There's a word called Shekinah, the Shekinah glory of God, the visible presence of God. In Hebrews, excuse me, in Exodus chapter 40, verse 34 through 38, I think your outline might say 40, but there's not a 39 and 40. It stops at 38. It says, then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord. That is his tangible real presence filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled upon it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted above the tabernacle, they they could set out. But if the cloud did not lift... They did not set out until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day, and fire was in the cloud by night in the sight of all the house of Israel during all their travels. Notice it wasn't cloud and fire. It was just fire within the cloud. So that was, that was in the wilderness. Now let's talk about the temple. The temple was another way the presence of the Lord was tangible, the glory of the Lord. The physical presence of the Lord was among them. Solomon built the temple... He dedicated the temple. He did everything God called him to do. And at the dedication of the temple, something amazing happened in 2 Chronicles 7.1. 2 Chronicles 7.1 said later, it said this, When Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offerings and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The glory of the Lord, the tangible presence of the Lord filled the temple like a cloud. And if you read on later on in, in 2 Chronicles 7, 1, the, uh, in 2 Chronicles 7, the, 
The priests couldn't even perform their duties because they couldn't see because the glory of God, that visible, tangible presence of the Lord, was real. It was right there among them. So, going on, the the people chose to live in darkness. The people chose to live in sin. And so there came a point, and and this is an incredible occurrence in the Bible that we largely overlook. You see, because the temple was destroyed twice. And so we, we think that, well, when the temple stopped, then God's tangible presence wasn't here on earth. But before the temple was destroyed the second time, God's very presence and glory departed the temple because of the people's sin. Look at Exodus chapter 10, verse 18. Exodus 10, 18, it says, The glory of the Lord departed from over the threshold of the temple and stopped above the cherubim. And it went on. That was the beginning of a process. God, His presence, left the Holy of Holies and went to different parts of the temple until eventually His presence left the temple. Now, I know I'm throwing, I'm going with great speed through the Bible right now, but I want you to be aware of this because Jesus was saying something very, very clear in John chapter 8, verse 16. Now, the favorite feast that the Jewish people had was the Feast of the Tabernacles. I'm not going to get into a lot of that today, but basically, the Feast of the Tabernacles had a spectacular event in it. For six nights in a row, in the fall, the people would come to the temple and there would be essentially a light show that was unbelievable. It was like an ancient phenomena. You know, I don't really know what we can say to equate that. This was in the era before electricity and all of that, but obviously we look forward to the 4th of July where there's these spectacular fireworks show. Maybe that could somewhat equate to what that was like. This, this favorite celebration of the Israelite people the Feast of the Tabernacles. And for six nights in a row, they would come to the temple and they would see the pre- they would sing songs, they would light these candles, and they would celebrate. Now here's the sad part of why they had to do that. I want you to think about this. The reason they had to light the temple with candles and produce artificial light, it was because the glory and the first light had departed the temple. There was a time when God's glory filled the temple and the fire filled the temple and the presence of God was in the temple. But because of the people's sin, because of the people's sin, that glory had departed and that glory was gone. And so they had to have this feast. They, so they had to have a component of this feast that would once again light the temple. So here it was, the feast had just occurred. For six nights in a row, they had gone and they had lit these candles and had a national display. And you know how it feels the day after a holiday. Do you remember December 26th or July 5th? How you just kind of have this letdown? You've been emotionally up here at this peak and then you drop down. It's like, okay, back to normal. So Jesus had been on the Mount of Olives. And he went back to the temple to teach. He was presented this lady. He said, he who is without sin cast the first stone. And then, with all the people fresh in their mind, thinking about the night before, thinking about this spectacular display of artificial light, 
that had just for a few nights made their temple shine again. Jesus then, look again at verse 16 of John 8. He says this way. He says, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. They knew exactly what he was trying to say. He said, I am the Messiah. I am the Shekinah glory of God. I am the tangible presence of God. Just as the wilderness, you were led by my presence, just as my presence felt the temple when Solomon dedicated it, just as my presence departed the temple in the era of Ezekiel and you've had to produce artificial light, now I am here and I am the glory. I am the light. I am the tangible, visible presence of God that is among you. Write this down. With this statement, Jesus declared to be the glory restored. He said, you are looking at me. I am the glory restored. I am the presence of God restored. I am here manifesting myself in this temple in bodily flesh here to show myself to you. You know, one of the struggles we have so much, often, I mean, is this. We're so enamored with the past. Thinking about the glory that used to be in the temple. Thinking about the glory that used to lead in the wilderness. Thinking about how things used to be when we were close to God. Think about, thinking about how things used to be when we were at that church. Thinking about how things used to be when we had key people in our life who were living for the Lord. We get so enamored with the past, wanting to reproduce it, that we don't see before us the glory of God right before us. Because the very people who were supposed to know God the best, celebrating the temple, were missing the glory right in front of them. I want to give you just a four quick statements of what the light of the world means to you. You see, there is a huge difference in life. One of the big mistakes we have in culture is when we begin to act like things are not different. There is a huge difference between a cat and a dog. There is a huge difference between a man and a woman. There is a huge difference between summer and winter. There's a difference between the desert and the ocean. And there is a difference between light and darkness. There's a difference between God's way of holiness and sin. And when we begin to confuse those, when we begin to intermingle those things, it is not the way things should be. It's not the way God wants things to be. I want you to write down this number two is this. Is the light of the world sets a contrast. The light of the world sets a contrast. One of the reasons that we believe in the very tangible, real presence of God. We're not into religion. We're not into denominationalism. We're not into uh, church southern tradition of let's just go to church. We are into God. You understand that? We're into Jesus. We're into the Holy Spirit. We're into the Lord. We're, we're, we're gathered in His name. And when we're in His presence, it begins to set a very clear contrast in our life. And people who aren't in the presence of God don't have a problem with sin. You stop going to church, you stop getting into the Word, you stop worshiping the Lord and presenting yourself to Him, all of a sudden, the very things you call sin in your life, six weeks later, six months later, six years later, you'll be participating in sin that you never would have touched before. Why is that? Because if you're not in the presence of the Lord enough, there's not a contrast between what is of God and what is not of God. 
If you're not in the presence of the Lord enough, there's not a recognition of what is light and what is darkness. You know, a lot of people like to say this. I don't believe in any gray. Life is just black and white. Well, the, the, very, the very nature of that statement is inconsistent because gray does exist. You take black, you take white, what does it make? Gray. And there are a lot of gray issues in life. I believe that. There's a lot of issues that, you know, one person that might be dark for them, another person, excuse me, black for them, and another person white for them. And, and sometimes even in my life, there's some gray areas in my life. But there is, even though there's a difference between black and white, there is no difference between light and darkness at all. You, you can't mix and get a light shade of darkness. There's either light or there's darkness. That's why 1 John 1.5 says it this way. This is the message we have heard from him, being Jesus, and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. That's why when we begin to explain the nature of God, and, and we get really confused on that sometimes, that we, we want to wonder if God has, does God get jealous? Does God get lonely? Does God get uh, mad? Well, he, all his jealousy is totally light. And his anger is totally light. There's no sin in him. There's no possibility of sin. There's nothing he can do wrong. Even the things that we read about in the Old Testament that we don't understand, they're not sin. They're not dark because God is completely light and there is no darkness within him. Romans 13, 12 through 14 says, that, says it this way. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissensions and jealousy. Rather, now look at this part, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Clothe yourself with Jesus. When he says, I am the light of the world, he's saying, I am the presence of God. I am the tangible presence of God. Clothe yourself in the presence of God and get away from the darkness in your life. Somehow, we, have, we think that because we have an understanding, I think, of, of our positional holiness because of the salvation of Jesus, that we don't have to take care of our lives. We don't have to take care of our sinful habits and our attitudes because we're like, hey, I'm in heaven. I got it covered. But no, no, the darkness in your life, you need to clothe yourself with the presence of God, the very glory of God. And he says, I am the light. Clothe yourself in the light. That takes effort, that takes intention, that means you have to make the decision. You don't accidentally get in the presence of God. You have to clothe yourself in the presence of the Lord and have a relationship with Him. It comes through your Bible reading, it comes through worship, it comes through 242 groups, fellowship, meditation. It comes through dozens and dozens of different ways that you can do that. I just want to look at 2 Corinthians 6.14, and I want especially all of you who are single to pay attention to this, because this is the Word of God. Do not yoke together with unbelievers. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. What do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? And I just be honest with you. If the person you're dating or want to marry doesn't love Jesus yet, you're not ready to get engaged. You're not ready to get married. I'm not saying you have to broke up with them. That could, well... I don't want to get into a pastoral counseling session here on stage, but let's think about this for a second. What fellowship can light have with darkness? You don't mix light and darkness. 
It's not like it's not, there's no gray here. It's either light, God's way, the presence of God, the tangible presence of God, or it's darkness. I don't know if any of you have ever been to Cumberland Caverns in McMinnville. It's a it's a really interesting place. It's not a state-run cave. It's a private cave, and we were there uh, a few years ago when our kids were really small. And they take you down. It's really creepy. They take you down to this room with it's these antiquated chairs and. Uh, I don't know how long the tour guide had been working there at that time, but uh, I was a little nervous. And they go down there, and, and there's lights, and they say, grab your children, hold them tight, because we're about to turn out the lights, and there's going to be no artificial lights in this room whatsoever. And they do that. And there in that cave is a type of darkness most of us never experience, because you can't see your hand in front of your face. There, there is no... There's, there, you can't see... What, what does, yes, you can't see anything. That's talking to me up here. I thought she was correcting me, and she was just saying I agree with you. So come on, sister. All right. Yeah. All right. So, so you, can't, you can't, there's nothing you can see. And then they take a little cigarette lighter, and they light it. Darkness gone. Darkness gone. Every time light beats darkness. Here's number three. The light of the world eliminates darkness. It eliminates darkness. And I just want to encourage you, some of you get depressed and you get upset because you see where our country is going, especially some of you have some more years than me, and you watch, you know, the new cable news, you're like, oh, I can't believe it, and watch the newspaper, and, I can't, and it's dark and it's disappointing and it's disheartening to see what our leadership's doing and the sin, and oh, man, if you're not careful, be careful that you don't get depressed or despondent. Be careful that you don't become overwhelmed with negativity because I want to remind you of something. I don't care how dark it gets, the light always wins every single time it doesn't matter how dark this world is the light wins every time so i started seeing the trend of where our culture was going i actually had the thought as a young man i thought do i want to bring kids into this world it's just a rare thought oh man can i tell you it doesn't matter how dark it is that little light it conquers the darkness every time every time in the presence of God, you can build a temple right there in your heart. You can build a temple right there at your home, in your place. It doesn't matter how dark the place of business that you're, you're, you're working at. That until God releases you or tells you to leave, you can be a light there. You can carry that tangible presence of God. And even though the darkness is so great, it won't overcome the presence of God within you. For greater is He that is within you than He being the enemy... That is in the world. The darkness, always, the darkness always loses. The light eliminates the darkness every single time. I remember growing up in Texas, uh, we, my older brother played and my sister, they, they went to a small school, private school. We would travel all through Texas on Friday night, me and my dad, to go see these games. And, and my dad, just like any man, any good man, any tough Texan would never ask for directions. But we had a very simple process. Simple process was this. You go to that small town in Texas, you don't need directions. Just look for the lights. Because in the plains of West Texas, when those small towns where all there was was a red blinking light and a Dairy Queen, you ever seen Friday Night Lights? That's what I'm talking about. There was 
You, you could see that stadium from miles and miles and miles away. One time we, we went to the town and we couldn't find the stadium. And finally, after lots and lots of reluctance, mom and dad stopped and dad asked for directions. And we get to the stadium and the game had been postponed because the stadium lights weren't working. The system fell us only once. But the truth is this, is that, is that the light is this. Here's number four. The light is an attraction. The light is an attraction. Second Peter 1.9 says this, And we have the words of the prophets made more certain, and you will do well to pay attention to it. Now look at this phraseology here. I love this. As to a light shining in a dark place. And I want you to think of that analogy I just gave. A West Texas town, maybe here in rural Tennessee, completely dark. But there's that football stadium, a shining light. That, that's what the Word of God is. That's what the presence of God is. You will do well to pay attention to it as to light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. Can I just tell you, for those of you who are believers, for those of you who are Christians, I need to tell you something. You are different. You're to live different. You're to think different. You're to speak differently because you have something real in you. You have the tangible presence of the Lord. And when God, when Jesus said, I am the light of the world, I am the glory restored, I am the visible, tangible presence of the Lord, he didn't mean that as just a cute phrase for us to market. He meant that as a powerful statement of who he is. And so we ask Jesus in our heart, right? Ask Jesus in our heart. You know what we do? We are infused with His presence, with His light. And all of a sudden, we're never the same again. We can never be the same again because His glory is revealed in us. I am the light of the world. I am the Shekinah glory. I'm the visible, tangible presence of the Lord. That's why you're an overcomer. The same power. Think about this. The very same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. He's made you an overcomer. The darkness is not too great. The culture is not too dark. We are a light. We are a light in darkness because we have the presence of the Lord with us in our attitude, in our finances, in our love, in our generosity, in our marriage, in our work ethic, in our compassion, in our language. The difference He's made in us should be an attraction. And we should attract people because it's all about Jesus and about who he is. I want you to stand with me. This has been a Church in Indian Lake podcast. Be sure to check out IndianLakeChurch.com for all updated news and information.